Lord Gateway, let's stand together to worship. Breaking through the silence with glory in the highest, the hope of all creation. Resting in his mother's arms A song on the horizon Ringing through the heavens The long-awaited Savior Has come to set the captives free Come to set the captives Come set us free. Come on, hope has a name. Hope has a name. Across the aisle, welcome them this morning to church as we continue to do some Christmas worship together.
shout of praise this morning. bow at your feet this morning. We're so thankful that as the first song declared what started as a baby didn't just end in a grave, but it ended in your resurrection, the empty grave. And we're so thankful this morning that we serve a living God that came in the form 
of humans. We're thankful that you showed us through your perfect and spotless living how to follow God. And I pray this morning that there will be a sense of renewal all over this place. And just as many, many years ago, there was an expectancy for the Messiah to come. I pray this Christmas we'll have an expectancy to hear from you, to feel a touch from you, to bring comfort and healing and hope in what looks like a dark world. So this morning we adore you and we lay everything at your feet as we worship you. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody in this place said together, amen. You can be seated. Good morning. Look at the person beside you and tell them Merry Christmas. Oh, that was weak. Look at the person beside you and tell them Merry Christmas. Amen. We want to uh, welcome you to Gateway Church. We want to welcome our online audience. We want to thank you guys for uh, taking time out of this busy season uh, to be with us. And uh, we pray that something is said or something is done today that will change your life forever. It is so hard to believe that we're less than three weeks away from Christmas. Uh, How many people still have Christmas shopping to do? All right, some of my people. Uh, If you finished your shopping already, uh, bah humbug to you. Uh, the, The joy of Christmas is running around at the last moment trying to find that last second gift. And doing it on Amazon doesn't count. You need to get out and enjoy Christmas. But we are, it's been a crazy year. Never in my life have I experienced a year that has seemed so short, but it seems so long. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's been short because we've spent a lot of time in our homes doing nothing. And it seems so long because we've spent a lot of times in our homes doing nothing. It just seems like that, that everything, just every day, it's the same thing over and over. And, but now we're here right in the middle of the Christmas season. Now, some of you, uh, like Pastor Brandon last week, you have been ready for Christmas since October. Do we have anybody like that out here? Now, if you notice, he was so excited to preach the the first uh, uh, sermon in our series, and uh, he wore a festive sweater or T-shirt last week, a sweatshirt. I tried all week to find something that would make me look cool, and uh, all I could find was this green shirt. And, uh, but uh, some of you are ready for Christmas. Some of you, you're still trying to decide whether or not you're going to put up a Christmas tree. Uh, You've just decided that you're just going to skip 2020 altogether. But often, as we often do in our Christmas season, uh, we started a Christmas series last week. Now, usually our Christmas series, it's always helped to remind us the meaning of Christmas because it's so easy to forget the true meaning. So a lot of times our Christmas series is centered around some of those familiar passages of Scripture that is found maybe like in Luke chapter 2. The verses that we're familiar with that, that say, you know, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Or that verse that says, and there were shepherds living out in a field nearby watching over their flocks. Or one of our favorite, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill, peace toward men. Now, when we look at all of those verses and and those passages of Scripture, they are definitely an important part of the Christmas story. Because when we read them, uh, we can begin to, to get a picture and they paint a picture for us of how Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh. But as we started looking for our, at, at our Christmas series this year, we began to look and we said, you know what? Uh, we believe 
that the Christmas story can be defined in one simple verse. One familiar verse. But this verse is not found in the traditional places that we normally correlate with Christmas. This verse is found in the third chapter of John. And it's a very familiar verse. But in this verse, the entire Christmas story can be explained. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a very familiar scripture. So over the next few weeks, we, have, we started breaking down this scripture into segments. Uh, last week, we looked at the very first part of that verse that said, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And we begin to examine that God is a lover of people. And we looked at the love that he has for us. God loves people. He said, for God so loved the world. The Greek word there is the same as people. For God so loved people that he gave. And that's what I want to look at for a few minutes today. For God so gave. You see, love motivated God to be a giver. Love was what motivated God to have the spirit of generosity. And that leads me to a, to a key thought this morning, is that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You see, some people give out of guilt. You may see someone who's, who's less fortunate than you are, and you feel guilty for having what you have, so you give with that motivation. Some people give for tax purposes. You want a tax write-off. But then other people, they give out of love. Jesus said in, in his day, there were people who were giving, but it wasn't out of love. There were people who were giving, but it was out of a look at me spirit. There were people who were giving, but they simply wanted recognition. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. God defines love. God embodies the characteristics of love. Mankind defiles love. We take it, we twist it, we manipulate it, but not God. We put conditions on it, but not God. God's love is described as an agape kind of love. And what that word means is, is that it's unconditional. It is a pure love. That's who God is. God is love. Gary Chapman wrote a, a book a long time ago, and it would talk about the, the five love languages. And those five love languages were gentle touch, time, words, active service, and gifts. 
Now, when you begin to look at those five things, there's a common theme. Do you know what that common theme is? They all require giving. The gentle touch, giving of your time, giving of encouraging words, acts of service, gifts. That's what they all involve. But the Bible tells us that God is love. Unconditional love. Can I tell you three things that unconditional love does that it gives? It gives regardless of these things. There's no strings attached. When God displayed his love, there were no strings attached. There was no reason and he had no regrets. You see, man can't give like this. We're not equipped without God to give unconditional love. We, without God, always have conditions on our love. But by the Spirit of God, we can love unconditionally just like He does. Romans 5, chapter 8 tells us this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God looked at us while we were still sinners, while we were still a a bunch of heathens. And he looked at us and he said, I'm giving my son. I'm giving my son. And we have to understand that giving is who God is. God is love. God is a giver. It's more of who he is. It's not what he does. For God so loved the world that he gave. There's three things I want you to see today of how love correlates with giving. The first thing that love does is that love sees. Love sees. A giver sees needs. A giver, a lover of people, is always looking outward to see what need they can meet. You know, there are some things in our life that we want. But there's other things that we need. And when God looks at us, he sees our needs. When he looked at the beginning of time, he saw our need and he gave. He gave it before we ever needed it. As a matter of fact, Revelations uh, in chapter 13 tells us that the lamb was slaughtered from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world, God looked down through the ages. He knew that man would fall and he provided for that need. Matthew chapter six, verse eight tells us that your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. He, has, he knows what you have need of before you ever ask. And when you can understand that the heart of your heavenly father is to meet the needs in your life, that's who he is. Why? Because love sees. And as we walk and try to follow after Christ, That should always be in our heart. You know, this season of Christmas, it it tends to, to bring it to the forefront. But reality is, is that as we follow Christ, we should see the needs of others. We should see someone who maybe have holes in their shoes and buy them a pair. We should be able to recognize and see that someone is lacking something 
and provide it for them. As followers of Christ, we should see someone who is hurting and help them. Why? Because Jesus is saying that when you love someone, you do not look inward, but you look outward. That's what our Father did for us. The Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. He looked out and he saw our needs. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 tell us this about love. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also want to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well, And sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion. How can God's love be in that person? Why? Because God is love. Now that's a couple of harsh verses. But John is saying that if your brother is in need, whether it be financial, whether it be emotional, whether it be spiritual, if your brother is in need and you close up your heart of compassion, he asks the question, does the love of God really dwell in you? It's a hard question. But when Christ comes into your heart and that love of Christ comes into your heart, you you stop looking inward and you begin to look outward. You stop being selfish. You become a giver. God is a lover. God is a giver. And he sees our needs and he wants to meet them. But we have a tendency to to do something. How many people uh, have made a mistake this week? All right, we've got three perfect people here. How many people have made a mistake this morning? Come on, confession is good for the soul. Here's what we do. When we make a mistake, which we all do, when we slip up, when we mess up, what we immediately do is we begin to look for the punishment of God. God's going to get me for that. But I want to encourage you this morning that when you stumble, look for the provision of God, not the punishment. When you stumble, look for the provision, not the punishment. Why is that? Because when God saw us messing up, when he knew at the beginning of time that we were going to fall, he had already worked out the provision for our fall. And when we mess up, God doesn't punish us. You know what does? The principle of sowing and reaping. That's where the punishment comes from. When I mess up, the principle is already punishing me. When we make a mistake, there are consequences for that mistake that is sowing and reaping. But instead of looking for that, when I make a mistake, I need to be looking for the provision that God has already made for me because he saw that I would make a mistake. The verse immediately following John 3.16 in John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn. That's punishment. But that the world through him might be saved. That's provision. When you mess up, don't look for the punishment of God, but look for the provision. When you mess up, say, God, thank you that you made a way even though I made a mistake. 
Now, I'm not talking about taking advantage of God's grace, but I'm talking about understanding the full power of God's grace. Why? Because when he looked through time, he saw that we would fall. And he has made a way. He has provided a way that we could be saved. So first of all, love sees. Secondly, love surrenders. Love surrenders. Love is not living like this. You ever tried to, to, to hug somebody with your, not now, it's against the law. But have you ever tried to, to hug somebody with your, you don't hug somebody like this, do you? With your, no, you open your hands. That's the way loving is living like this. When Jesus was crucified on the tree, you ever seen a, a picture that he had his hands closed? No. How were his hands? They were open. He was surrendering to the will of God in his life. The spirit of Christmas the spirit of our Christian walk should be a spirit of love. And you cannot love with your hands closed. You can only love with your hands open. You cannot love refusing to surrender. When we come in and, and people raise their hands in worship, some people say, well, why do they do that? You're just surrendering to God with your hands open, saying, God, I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering my plans to you. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, what we have here is we have the story of when the angels came to Mary. And the angel came to Mary and said, here is the, God's plan for your life. You're going to, to, to bear, a, you're going to carry a child. You're going to bring a child that's going to be the savior of the world. You're going to, to bring him to this world. Now, can I tell you that Mary already had plans? Mary had plans to marry Joseph, to take him as her spouse. But the angel came to her and said, I need you to, to disregard your plans. I need you to, to surrender your dream and say yes to God. And Mary, her answer was this. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. Mary said, I'm your servant. I may have my plans, but because of my love, I'm going to surrender them. Can I tell you that the highlights of your life are found in the surrenders of your life? The highlights of your life are found in the surrenders of your life. When you fight through your flesh, when you look at your flesh and you say no to you and say yes to God, it's in those moments, it's in those moments of your life that will be the highlights. God will use, he always uses great moments of surrender and sacrifice. When you're willing to surrender your time, your treasure, your talent, your dreams, God will use those to bless you and to promote you like no one else can. But the secret is in your surrender. What if Mary would have said no? 
Would she have been blessed? Abraham in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a situation that God says, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And Abraham said, okay, God. And if you know the story, he proceeded. He made the effort to sacrifice his son to God. But out of that obedience, out of that surrender, God made a way. God blessed him with a, another way, another sacrifice. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 16 and 17, this is what was said. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. God said, because of your obedience, because of your willingness to surrender something that was precious to you, he said, because of that, you're going to be blessed. The secret to living a blessed life is living a surrendered life. And this whole Christmas season, it, it teaches us to surrender. Love sees the need. Then love surrenders. That's what God did. He saw our need. And then he surrendered something that was precious to him. There's going to be times in your life that God is going to whisper to you. And he's going to say, let this go. Make this change. Sow that seed. Open your home. If you've known my wife and I very long, you know that, and even before you probably knew us when we were in college, it seems like we have always had someone living with us. Now we're blessed to have an extra room that they can live, but when we were in college, they lived with us and, and they just slept on an air mattress in the living room. And there were times that when someone would move out, my wife would look at me and say, no more. Tired of giving. But I can tell you that anytime there's been a need, and since she said that about 37 times in our marriage, When she sees a need, she says, okay, okay. Is it what I really want? Probably not. But I'm going to surrender. Now, if I have 30 people come up to me wanting to move in after service, don't put me to the test, all right? But when you're willing to do things that God whispers in your ear. Do something, and when you do that, God says, I will bless you. That's how the kingdom works. When we're willing to see, when we're willing to surrender, it says you'll be blessed. Third thing I want you to see that love does is, is that 
love saves. Now, I'm so glad that, that God, before the, the, the beginning of time, from the foundation of the world, I'm glad that he saw my need. And I'm glad that he was willing to surrender his son. But you put those two things together, and this third thing is the result. Love saves. Love saves. Love moved us from where we were to where we needed to be. It moved us from where we were to where we needed to be. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into, this, into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He moved us from one state to another. We were under the power of darkness. And because of his love, because of the son of his love, he moved us to light. And now we no longer have to live in darkness, but we can live in light. We don't have to live defeated, but we can live victoriously. We aren't lost anymore, but now we are found. We aren't dead, but now we're alive. You see, when love sees and love surrenders, then there's something about it that it does, and that it's that it saves. It moves us from one state to another. When you give to someone, you change their situation. If you know someone's hungry and you feed them, you move them from being hungry to being satisfied. When someone is feeling worthless and useless and you give them love, you move them from feeling worthless to feeling valued. You see, we talked about sowing and reaping. And reaping is what it does to you. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. But there's a, another aspect of sowing. There's also uh, things such as sowing and resurrecting. I say, Pastor, where are you getting that from? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as you read it, it tells us that our bodies will be sown in the ground. They will be sown in mortality. But it will be resurrected in immortality. It's going to be sown in one state, in one condition, and it's going to be raised in another. Your giving, your generosity, your surrender can help move people from being lost to being found. It can move people from being bound to being free. It can move people from being hungry to being satisfied. We have the ability to change the state of people's lives through generosity. That's the power that we have. The same thing that God did for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. And his love caused him to give. Remember, you can 
give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You might be here this morning and you might be listening and, and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I have never experienced the Christmas story that you're talking about in John chapter 3, verse 16. Pastor, I've, I've read the Christmas story. I've had it read to me. I know about the shepherds and, and I know about the star and, and I know about the, the, the manger. I know about the, the virgin birth, but I've never experienced the Christmas story that we talk about, that you're talking about in John 3, 16. Pastor, I've never experienced the love that Pastor Brandon talked about last week or, or about what you're talking about this morning. And to you, I would say, this morning, I want you to realize the love that God has for you. The love that caused him to give his one and his only son. The love that he displays unconditionally with no strings attached. And he's looking at you right now. The same way that he looked at me when I was nine years old. And he's saying, I want you to have a revelation of this love. And I want you to accept it. I want you to accept it. Have you ever seen someone in need? And you know they're in need. You know they're hurting. And you go to them trying to be like Christ, trying to be like the God who gave. And you go to them And try to help. Try to help fix the situation. And they refuse your help. How irritating and frustrating is that? And you're like, no, I just want to help. And they're like, no, I've got this. Because their pride won't allow them to accept what you have for them. The exact same thing happens when it comes to the love of God. I have a sister-in-law who I've been in the family 26 years and I found out very quickly she doesn't like to be hugged. And I am someone who likes to hug. So after the first couple of times, I, you know, I'd put my arm around her like this, and I could tell it was just she was resisting it. So I was like, okay. I'm trying to make a good impression. After about 10 years, I said, you know what? I just made up my mind. I'm going to hug her. And I'm not going to let go until she likes it. I'm not going to let go until she accepts that hug. Man, I wish God sometimes would just get a hold of us and say, you know what? I'm not letting go until you accept the love that I have for you. And he chases after you and he calls for you and he's going to keep doing it. He said, just accept it. Just accept it. Accept what I have for you. And if you're here this morning and you have never accepted it, 
God is saying, take it. I want to change your life. You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm already a follower of Christ. At an age, I understand, and I understood, and I realized the meaning of John 3.16. And after hearing that verse, and after understanding that if I would confess my sins, that, that he was faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Uh, Pastor, I've understood that. If you're in that position this morning, what I am asking you to do and challenging you to do is to examine your life this morning. Because life and circumstances and situations has a way. 2020 has had a way of causing us to take the focus that once was outwardly and turn it inwardly. Life has a way of causing us to forget that in order to display the love that God has put into our lives to other people is to focus not on ourselves but on others. But sometimes life has a way of making us just want to make sure that we have enough. Making sure that, that we're taken care of. To put it in 2020 terms, making sure that we have enough toilet paper. I know who you are. Stacked to the ceiling. But today I want to, to, to challenge you to examine your heart and to ask God and the Holy Spirit that, that if you are more focused inwardly than you are outwardly, that today is the day that we refocus. Today is the day that we reaffirm our love for people. Today is the day that we start to look outwardly once again. Today is the day that we reach out to someone who is hurting. You know that we do a, a Christmas outreach every year. And we have for nine or 10 years now. And I have to be honest. I know that 2020 has been rough on, on a lot of people financially. And so the thought of doing the Christmas outreach this year, my initial thought, if I'm just being 100% honest, was God... I, I'm just worried about paying the bills. God, I don't want to, to ask these people to give. But it was in that moment that, that this message was birthed. Because God said, you take care of other people, I'll take care of you. Why? Because it's the principle of the kingdom. So whether it's, it's someone that you know who is hurting financially, and it's not always about finances. People can have all the money in the world and they can be as lonely and hurting emotionally as anyone that you know. But today is the day that we refocus our attention 
whether it's financially, emotionally, spiritually. They may need someone to, to, to join with them in prayer and to stand in the gap for them. Whatever it is, today's the day that you can reaffirm your love. The same love that God had for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. I'm going to ask you to stand all over this place. I'm going to ask you just to, just to close your eyes right where you're standing. Begin to examine yourself. If you're in that first group of people that I described and you need God's love. He has it for you. All you have to do is ask. And when we pray this prayer, all you have to do is say, God, I understand that you loved me so much that you gave your one and only son that I didn't have to die, but that I could live. Receive his love. And if you're in that second group of people that says, I just need to refocus. The same thing's true. Just talk to God as we pray. That's what's awesome is that we have a direct communication with our Heavenly Father. He hears us when we pray. It doesn't matter how you pray to Him. You talk to Him just like you're talking to the person sitting beside you. He understands. Talk to Him from your heart. Right now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you. God, I'm so thankful that, God, that you saw my need. God, that you surrendered your son. God, because of those two things, God, you moved me from death to life. God, Father, I pray this morning for everyone that is listening. God, no matter where they find themselves on their spiritual journey, and God, if they've never accepted you, God, I pray right now that they will receive your love. God, they're hurting. God, let them receive the help that comes from you. God, forgive them. God, lead them and guide them. Father, for those who God, as we look inwardly and we look and examine ourselves, God, I pray that you will help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to look at those around us. Father, we understand, God, that it means that God will have to surrender. God will have to recognize the need and it will cost us something. But God, that you have promised that if we will do those things, God, not only will we, will we reap the benefit, but God, we will see things resurrected. We will see darkness turn to light. God, I pray that you will just allow the love that you displayed for us to be displayed in our lives, not only during the Christmas season, but every day that we live. God, remind us that you loved people so much 
that you gave. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Sing this course with us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Just sing it one more time. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, as I talked about the, the Christmas outreach, I just want you to know that when we made the decision to do that, your generosity has been awesome. We've been able to provide for 27 children, six different families. And I've been amazed at watching how people have responded. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to challenge us, you individually, to keep that outward focus. And us as a church, that we never want to get to a point where we're just concerned about keeping the lights on. But that as a church, we keep reaching this community that's around us. And we only do that through your generosity. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, because God put us here to be a light and we're going to keep doing that. We love you. We thank you. We pray that you have a great week. Uh, There are boxes at the back. People always ask we don't do offering anymore because of germs. Uh, But they're back there. You can give online. Uh, Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for calling Gateway your home. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. Uh, We love you. Have a great Sunday, and we will see you next week. Next week, we're going to do communion during both services. Uh, If if you cannot be here, if you're watching online and uh, you need... Uh, the, have the, want to have the ability to do communion with us, uh, all you have to do is just get in touch with us and, and we'll put some communion out uh, that you can pick up during the week or we'll deliver it to your house if we need to. Uh, we would love for you to take uh, uh, part of that precious moment. We love you. Have a great Sunday.